0: Well, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. Uh, If you're visiting with us this morning, it's great to see you. Welcome. Uh, Last week, we actually kicked off a brand new series. You saw the uh, intro to it there. It's called Beyond Ordinary. And the idea being that we want to challenge you over the next few weeks to really move just from ordinary to beyond their ordinary. Now, we would like to see that happen in every area of our lives. We'd love to see all of us um, strive to be beyond ordinary in every area of our lives. But over these next few weeks in this series, we're going to look specifically at the area of relationships. What does it look like to have a beyond ordinary relationship with our spouse? What does it look like to have a beyond ordinary relationship with our, our girlfriend or our boyfriend or our parents or our kids? And what do we need to do if we want to see our lives go from ordinary to beyond ordinary? Now, if you're here this morning, you're visiting, and um, you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I, I said this last week, you know, this will be a great series for you, because you can kind of listen to this, and you don't have to do anything about it. Because what I'm going to teach over these next few weeks is, is what the Bible teaches to us as followers of Jesus. Now, I would say that uh, if you were to take some of this advice, I think it would help you in the area of your relationships, but this is really diving into the Bible and looking at what it says to us as followers of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, then um, we don't have a choice in this. There's a lot written throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to the church, and there's a lot written about how we should live our lives, how we should relate to one another, and that's not really just advice for us as followers of Jesus. That's, that's Jesus' command and saying, listen, if you want to live the, the kind of relationships, the kind of life that I created you to live, to exist in a beyond ordinary way, then you're going to have to live life the way I've laid it out here in the Scriptures. So we're going to look at some different things over these next few weeks as to what it really looks like to live a beyond ordinary life. So this morning we're kicking off. And this morning, the, the aspect I want to look at, the word I want to focus on today, and we're going to have a different um, kind of relationship idea every week, but this morning, we're going to be talking about encouragement. Encouragement. And that might sound real simple, and, and we all know that encouragement's a good thing. Um, I may have shared this story before, but um, bear with me if you're hearing it for a second time. But uh, I... Uh, I am a member at Five Points, and uh, every now and again I actually use that membership, and I uh, I go in there, and um, I've been a few times to an RPM class that's run by my friend Mrs. Jen Blackaby over there, and maybe some of you have have um, worked your way through that torturous forty minutes with her as well, where you're pedalling away, and and she's fantastic. She's just up there at the front. She's got like like one of these guys on her head, and she's like, "You guys are awesome. You're doing great." And uh, I remember the first time I visited, and she was leading. I was up there, and uh, you know I'm. Sw- I'm peddling, and we're about 10 minutes in, and she's like, hey, everyone, you're doing great. I just want to let you all know, all 20, 30 people that are in the room, this guy here, he's my pastor. Uh, It's great to have Pastor Dave with us. And I'm like, awesome, thanks. (laughs) And then like, for the rest of the time, this woman next to me, I don't know who she was, but she kept going, you got it, pastor. You go, pastor. Up high, pastor. You... And I'm like, <laughs> but it was good. It was good because with this lady cheering me on, with Jen up the front encouraging me, it was doing really good. It was doing a very good job of silencing the other really loud voice that was shouting, get off the bike. Stop pedaling. Go home. You're killing me. Buy a donut. That voice. Shouts at me every minute of the day. So those, those encouraging words from Jen and this lady next to me, they were really helping to, to kind of silence out that other voice. And encouragement's a good thing. And I want to look at it um, from a, uh, the Bible's point of view because it talks about it in the Bible. You know, Paul, who wrote a large part of the New Testament, he, uh, he actually wrote a letter to a church in a city called Thessalonica, and uh, the letter he wrote was 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to read a verse just from there this morning, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 11. Paul says this, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, you're doing a great job of this, but keep it up. Encourage one another. Build one another up. This is a really good thing to do. So actually, Paul is saying here, he's actually encouraging them to encourage one another. Now, I have to say that maybe some of you this morning, you, you are followers of Jesus. Maybe you've been in church a long time. And you've come along this morning, and you're excited about this new series we're doing. And you're thinking, man, days going to get really deep and theological. We're going to dive into the Bible. And, and you're talking about encouragement? Seriously? You're just going to spend a, a whole day talking about being nice to each other? Is there not something more profound or deep in the Bible that you could address? But let me tell you why I think this is such an important aspect for us to focus on, especially this morning if we are followers of Jesus. You know, I discovered there's um, uh, a research institute called the Gottman Institute, and they specialize in relationships. And they produced a study, and in that study they talked about encouragement, And in that study, they said, you know, in an average day, in an average conversation, as we speak to one another, as we hear people speak to another, for every one word of encouragement that we give, for every one word of encouragement that we hear, we will hear six words of criticism. For every one encouraging, positive thing that's said to us, we'll inevitably at some point hear six negative things said to us. So I brought some, uh, some blocks along here this morning for the visual ones amongst the audience. So for every, hey, you did a great job out there. Well done. You're awesome. We'll also hear, uh, come on, is that the best you can do? Why can't you be more like your brother? Oh, that was such a fail. You, you really need to do better at this. That was a terrible job. That piece of hair on your head is still standing up. Whatever the, the criticism, if you weren't here last week, you're wondering why people are laughing, but you'll have to listen to last week's message. So, so look at that. For every one word of encouragement that we hear, we hear six words of criticism. Now, some of you, you're looking at thinking, actually, I wouldn't mind just hearing One. The relationship I'm in right now or the workplace I'm in, this is all I hear all day. But I think this is a problem. When I heard about this research, when I heard about this study and I saw the results that they did that they found out in, in just general conversations, this is the ratio, I think that's a problem. And I think it's especially a problem if we're here this morning and we're followers of Jesus and we can read a verse like Paul wrote here to the Thessalonians saying, encourage one another, build one another up. We can actually make a difference. We can change this ratio. We can change the world we live in. To me, this is a problem. And this is a problem that we can do something about. So when I'm talking about going from an ordinary to a beyond ordinary relationship, I think spending some time thinking about just the idea of encouragement is a great thing to do. You know, Paul obviously thought it was a serious issue because it wasn't just that church that he addressed it with. He wrote to another church in Ephesus, and in the book of Ephesians, Paul says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Paul said, don't use foul or abusive language. So when I read that, I think he's he's kind of saying, don't criticize, don't speak negatively, don't speak down to people, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul's saying, listen, your words should be an encouragement to those who hear them. So what does he mean? What do we we mean when we say encourage? Well, the dictionary defines it this way. The dictionary says that to encourage is to inspire with courage, spirit, or confidence. To inspire with courage, spirit, or confidence. And I have to be honest. As I run my conversations through that filter... I find myself asking how much of what I say is inspiring others with courage, spirit, or confidence. And how much at times is doing just the other. Because I think if we're honest here this morning, even for those of us this morning who, who follow Jesus, we would say, you know, I wish I just drifted naturally to this side. I wish I just drifted naturally to always want to encourage, but the truth is that that even though I follow Jesus and even though I'm striving to live my life after him, I find myself um, more often than not drifting more to this side. I gravitate more to criticism than I do to encouragement. In fact, if I want to spend some time on this side, I'm actually going to have to be intentional and work at this and say, no, I want to be intentional. I'm going to choose carefully the words I say. I'm going to work hard at being more of an encourager than a criticizer. I want to change that ratio right there. So as we look at how we're going to encourage one another and how this will make a difference in our lives, I want to look at three specific areas of our life this morning. And I want to think about this idea of encouraging. And I'm going to say some homework this week. There'll be an assignment this week of putting this into practice in three different areas of our lives. And I'm praying that as we put this into practice, it'll make a difference in the world in which we live. But actually, and I'm going to get to this at the end, it won't just impact the world in which we live. It will actually have an impact on you as well. And I'll get to that at the end. But for now, let me explain the three areas that I want to tackle. I want to talk about life, I want to talk about work, and I want to talk about family. So I want to talk about life, work, and family, those three areas. So when I say life, I'm talking about just the general big picture. Life is just the day-in, day-out interactions we have with people throughout our regular lives. Life could be the... the uh, but I wrote barista. That's how you say it, right? I was going to read it barrister, but it's not barrister, is it? It's the barista at Starbucks um, or the coffee shop of your choice. Life could be the interaction with the coach of your kid's sports team. It could be that lady who checks you out at Walmart or Kroger. Maybe it's the guy who serves you at a restaurant. That's life. Those are those just general interactions we have with people in our just day-in, day-out lives. And, and how do we live our lives? Are we an encouragement to those people that we, we brush by throughout our weeks? Or are we critical to those people? You know, Casey and I, we've, um, we've done this a few times. We'll have been to a restaurant for a meal. And um, maybe you've had this where there's been a server who's just been amazing. They've just gone over and above. They've just really done a great job. And, and we'll comment during the meal, man, this, this guy is really good. Or this lady's just doing a phenomenal job. And, and we'll do this. Before we leave the restaurant, we'll ask to speak to the manager. And I love doing this because you get to the hostess at the front, and you're like, could I speak to the manager, please? And she's like, yeah. And you see her call the manager, and you can see him walk towards you, and he's smiling, but you know on the inside he's like, oh, no. <laughs> What's happening now? Because inevitably, when someone wants to speak to the manager, it's normally to say, I'm disappointed in this, or I'm, I want to criticize this. But when he gets there, we say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that Susie, she was our waitress tonight. She did a fantastic job. She really went over and above, you know, she, she, she did fantastic. And we just want to let you know you've got a great server there. And, and then normally the manager's like, oh, thank you so much. That's great to hear. We, we love to hear that. I'll make sure and let her know, which is always good because when I didn't tip Susie, I'm hoping that the, uh, the compliment will just make up for that, you know. So she'll be like, oh, well, they encouraged me, so I'm kidding. I, I give Susie a much bigger tip than normal. You know, it would be so easy just for us to leave and not do that. That took maybe two, three minutes. But for us, we enjoy doing that. We like doing that. And, and we like to encourage and tell those people. And sometimes we may think, well, does it really make a difference? Just something small like that, does that really make a difference? Just saying something or doing something small really matter? Listen, this is what I've come to believe. No encouragement is too small to the person receiving it. No encouragement is too small to the person receiving it. You may think that just that passing, hey, you're doing a great job, or hey, thanks for that, you were were great, that may feel like just a small thing that you did, but if you've been on the receiving end of a kind word or an encouragement, you know how true it is that no encouragement is too small to the person receiving it, especially if that day they've already had six of these. It feels great when someone says, hey, you're doing a great job, Thanks very much. That was awesome what you just did. So in life, we can, we can make that choice. We can say, I'm not just going to be busily rushing through life. I'm going to look for opportunities where God could use me and I could encourage someone. I could help change that ratio in someone's life and just, just really um, acknowledge the good that they are doing. Now, there's another area, and this is a huge area for many of us in this room this morning. It's our work lives. And if you don't have a job, or if you're a student, or maybe you, you stay at home and watch the kids, and let's be honest, that's, that's probably a, a more of a full-time job than most of us who get to go out and work in the office during the day. But whatever you may be, just, just filter this into your context of what it looks like for those 40-plus hours of a week that you're interacting with other people, that you're in an environment that might be a workplace or a college classroom or wherever you find yourself. But for those of us this morning who have made a decision to follow Jesus, that's the place where we get to live out that relationship. That's the place where we get to, to, to put our, um, our words into action. That's the place where we get to say, hey, I don't just attend church. This is the difference Jesus has made in my life. And we work around people and we get to, to make a difference in that environment. Now, the truth is, I think some of us probably dread going to work. Maybe some of us, the culture in our workplace is toxic. And maybe it's because this this six-to-one ratio is a big part of that. It's a very negative environment. It's a very critical environment. And you may say, well, Dave, I'm not in charge of where I go to work, so I can't change that. But the the truth is I think all of us have the ability to change our area of our workplace. We can act differently. If we make a choice to say, you know what, I could just go Monday through Friday and just be ordinary, just survive, get through, and get out. Or I could say, no, I'm going to live beyond ordinary. I'm going to go over and above. I'm going to look for places to encourage. Even if I'm the only person in this office who's doing it, I'm going to do it. Because I think that might help make a difference. So you choose to live a more encouraging lifestyle. Now, I know that maybe some of you who are in employment are already sitting there picking holes in this thought. So here's how I'm going to address that. Because some of you, I know you live in a black and white world of wrongs and rights. Um, I know we have some uh, engineers in the room here that work for a, a small local mom and pop business here in town called Caterpillar. Um, I'll, I'll pick on you just for a second, okay? But whatever, wherever you work, apply this in, in your context. But maybe you're an engineer and you're at Caterpillar. And you're thinking, Dave, you're saying encouraged. But, but listen, what if I was in a meeting and this particular meeting, you know, it some engineers and some managers and some finance guys. And the whole reason to meet was we got this big old tractor, okay? And I don't know if that is a tractor or what that is, but it was the yellow color, so I knew it was the right brand at least. And uh, so a big old something, okay? And, um, and we're looking to ways to save some money because it costs a lot of money to make these things. And we'd like to make them a little bit cheaper. And one of the guys in the room, he says, hey, do you know what? I've been studying this thing. It uses a lot of steel bolts, there's a lot of rivets, a lot of stuff. In fact, I've worked out that just on this one machine, we're spending $1,000 just on the steel bolts. That could be a ridiculous number. I don't know how many there are or how much they cost. But let's say, for example, $1,000. I got a buddy. He works in plastic. I can get the same bolts in plastic for $200. 80% saving. Great idea, huh? Now, obviously, you're th- sitting there listening and thinking, and you want to say, are you an idiot? <laughs> Are you crazy? How do you think that thing would run with plastic instead of... But then you remember, Pastor Dave, he taught us on Sunday we've got to be encouraging. In the workplace, you've got to encourage one another. After all, I'm a follower of Jesus. So instead, you're like, great idea. That's awesome. Tell us what other ingenious ideas you've got to save this company money. Well, of course not. You know, there are times when you have to confront a wrong idea and address it. And and I realize that that happens day in, day out in your work lives. So how do you do that without this becoming the, 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 the main emphasis in your workplace? Well, as I was preparing for my message, I came across an article in the Harvard Business Review. And what they did in this article is they, um, they explained a, a survey that they'd done, a study that they'd done on several companies. And this was the question they were trying to answer. Which is more effective in improving team performance? Using positive feedback to let people know they're doing well? Or offering constructive comments to help them know that they're off track and they said that really the answer is actually that they are both important the real question that this this study brought to the surface is in what proportion they recognized in this study that you need both you need to be affirming people when they do things right but you need to be challenging people when they're doing something wrong They said in this study that often there is a moment where a company may be headed for the edge of the cliff and someone has to step in and say, no, that can't happen. That's wrong. We cannot do that. And it may come across as critical, but it's important for the the safety of the company that someone steps in. But that can't take place just in the day in, day out team relationships. That can damage team dynamics. They said the factor that made the greatest difference between the most successful and the least successful teams was the ratio of positive comments to negative comments. So the, the I agree with that or that's a ter- terrific idea instead of no, I don't agree with you. We shouldn't even consider doing that. They actually looked in this study at various companies, and they compared the ones that were most successful based upon sales and the environment in the workplace and customer satisfaction, and listen to what they found. And this shouldn't surprise us based on what we've just discovered about relationships from the Gottman Institute. They found out that the companies that performed the greatest had a ratio of 5.6. That's nearly six positive comments for every negative one. They said, when we tracked those companies, they were outperforming the other companies by five, six, seven times. They said, the next group we found, they were kind of in the middle. They were the medium performance teams. They had almost 1.9, so almost twice as many positive comments as negative ones in the workplace environment. They said the average for the low-performing teams, the companies that did the worst, their ratio was 0.36 to 1. There were almost three times more negative comments than positive comments and i have to believe that some of these companies had employees who were at church the sunday before who maybe put their arms up and and uh told jesus they loved them during the singing lived a life where they were praying and reading their bible but maybe they weren't turning that into but how does that affect my life at work how can i be an encourager how can i make a difference in my workplace environment because you don't have to be in charge You can be at any level in the company to make a difference in the team or the office or the the classroom that you find yourself in. And it does make a difference. You know, we have one of our um, our volunteers here at the church. Um, I'd like to tell you who he is, because I want to encourage him in front of all of you, but I can't, and you'll find out why here in a second when I tell the story, but um, he he gives such a lot, and he gives more than just a few hours here and there, I mean, he serves outside of a Sunday morning, does a lot of work to help um, make things happen here on a Sunday morning. Well, a while back, he did something for us, and I know it took a lot of time for him, and he worked really hard on it. And, and when, it, when it all came together, we were like, oh, man, that's fantastic. You did great. So, so I just did this really simple thing. We have some thank you cards. I just wrote a card. I said, hey, thanks so much for what you did. I know that took a lot of time. You're awesome. We really appreciate you. And I just put a, a gift card in there for a restaurant. It wasn't a huge amount of money, just a, a local restaurant. gave him a gift card, and, and I just gave him the card. Well, that was a Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, I get a text from this guy. Now, you need to understand, I've known this person for a while. I've actually known him in some other churches in the area. He interned at a church for a while, and uh, he was at a church where he was working a lot and helping them as well. He said in this text, and this just blew me away, he said, Dave, thanks so much. He goes, in all the times I've been volunteering in churches and helping, this is the first time I've ever got a thank you card. I thought, wow. Now, I don't believe that any of those other churches were any less appreciative I think they really were hugely grateful, but maybe they just thought he knew that. And it took me just a, a few seconds, one, one Sunday morning, one Saturday, just writing that card out, putting the card in, just to say, hey, I really appreciate what you do. I try as hard as I can because what you see on a Sunday morning... It has so little to do with me and so much to do with some amazing volunteers who come early and who work hard during the week and still come and give on a Sunday morning. I try and tell them on a regular basis how thankful I am, how grateful I am. We couldn't do it without you. You guys are making a difference. Because I don't want them just to think that I think they're doing a great job. I want them to know. I want to encourage them. So whether it's just in your general life, whether it's in your workplace, every one of us can do something to try and start changing this ratio. But there's one, last, ooh, hey. <laughs> there's one last area that I want to address this morning. Because we've talked about life and we've talked about work. But there's another area, and let's be honest, this is a huge part of our everyday lives. And that's our family. Our family, the, the time we spend with the ones we love. It could be with your husband or your wife or, or your kids. But that's that intimate time where, where sadly, if we're honest with ourselves, we may work really hard on relationships and encouraging and, and getting along with one another, but sometimes we just kind of let it slide when we're in the, 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 the home, when we're together with the ones that, that we love. We kind of just sometimes take them for granted. And I think that's an area where we have to work really hard to encourage one another. So what does that look like in our family? Well, let me start this morning by talking to the ladies out there, ladies who are married here this morning. Let me give you a little insight into your husbands, what they're looking for in the way of encouragement. Because every man here this morning, young or old, at the very core of every man's being, at the very heart of every man, they're asking themselves, do I have what it takes? Deep down, every guy is saying, do I have what it takes? To be a good dad? Do I really have what it takes to be the best dad possible? When I go to work every day, do I have what it takes to, to do the job that I'm being paid to do, to make a difference in the workplace I'm in? Do I have what it takes to be the best husband possible? And we may appear to be real kind of tough and macho on the outside, but I think deep down every guy here, that's a, that's a, a battle that we face. So depending on what we experience in our home, whether it's encouragement or criticized, that either boosts that and says, yes, I do have what it takes. Or it piles onto that in criticism like, I'm not even doing good in this area. I'm not even the best dad I could be. I'm not the best husband I could be. And ladies, there's a great responsibility that you have and a great opportunity you have to encourage your husbands to make a difference in their lives. And you, honestly, you've no idea how much it means to us. A couple of weekends ago, I was up here preaching, and um, Casey was actually out of town that weekend. She was gone, and normally, and I'm telling you this now so that no one else tries it, normally I turn the Wi-Fi off on my iPad, but that particular day I'd forgotten. So as I'm speaking to you on a Sunday morning, here on my iPad, my messages pop up because it's connected to the Wi-Fi. So I'm literally halfway through my message, and this text pops up. It says, Casey Jane, and the text says, you're doing a great job. Keep preaching. You're doing Awesome. And I'm like, whoa, she wasn't even here. But she knew wherever she was, this moment Dave's speaking, I'm going to send him a little text and just encourage him. And it, do you know what? It did. It really, I mean, from then on, my sermon, you probably remember it. It was that good one I had a few weeks ago. I mean, it was, that was why. Halfway through, I just, it gave me that boost of encouragement. And it was just such a small thing. But it made such a difference to me that morning. And I know sometimes us guys, we come off as we got it all together, but, but wives, you can do so much to, to help us as husbands. So now men, let me talk to you for a little bit here this morning, as I'm talking to myself as well. Because do you know what women are asking? On a constant basis, women are actually asking the very same thing. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a mum and a wife and the provider? But do you know what? The tough thing is, is our, our wives, they, they're asking that, question in a, in a different environment because they're being bombarded by what the media says a woman should look like, a woman should be like. So they're also battling, you know, the, the idea of, of self-image and things like that. So, so just a husband encouraging a wife, just saying, hey, listen, you're great. I love you. You're fantastic. Whatever it may be, you're beautiful. You are the one for me. Those, that, that builds your wife up. I've been trying really hard, not just because I knew I was preaching on this, for the last couple of days, I've really gone out of my way to just tell Casey just what an amazing person she is. She's a great wife. She's a great mom. I appreciate her so much. Yeah, yeah, you can give her a little round of applause. She is awesome. So for the last two days, I've really told her that a lot. Now, in unrelated news, on Monday, she actually left town for four days, and she was gone at a pastor's wives retreat from Monday to Thursday, and I was home alone with all three of my children. So Friday and Saturday, I've really been telling her a lot how much I appreciate her. Because I tell you what, husbands, or wives here this morning, if you feel a little unappreciated, just go out of town for a few days. I guarantee you, when you get back, you'll ask me, like, you're awesome. (laughs) Please rescue me. Please come and help me out again, so but encouraging them all the time. You know, parents, we have the opportunity to encourage our kids. Now, this is one that, because I've known I've been preaching on this, this week's been a tough week for me because I keep finding myself going, because ah. <laughs> I just want to, you know, try and, and criticize. And it's tough being a dad with, with um, teenage kids and, and, and younger kids. But I realize that my kids are going to school every day and they're facing peer pressure and they're facing, you know, different things in their school. I want them to know that when they come home, that they're loved and that they're accepted and we encourage them. And kids, if you're here this morning, you can tell your moms and dads they need to know they're doing a great job. They need to know that they're a great parent and you've got the power to do that. You can say to your mom, hey, mom, thanks so much. That was such a a great dinner tonight. I really love you, mom. Thanks for taking me to practice tonight. Every now and again, I'll notice Will will just come up in the the kitchen and just give Casey a hug. He's like, I love you, Mum," And I'm like, good job, Will, because I know how much that means to Case, to have Will just come and give her a big hug. So in our relationships, day in, day out, we can make such a difference just by telling one another that we love one another or what we mean to each other. You know, earlier this week, it was Thursday night, I had to um, do a, a sad part of what I do as a pastor, and that's I had to take a funeral I had to do a funeral on Thursday night. And the funeral I had to do was for a, a wonderful lady. Her name's Angie. And Calvin and Angie first started coming to connect um, just a few months back. We, we actually connected with them because following the tornado, they'd lost their apartment. They lived in Georgetown apartments. They lost everything. And through someone who gave a donation, we were able to actually um, get a vehicle donated by a dealership here in town. And we found out that they'd lost everything. They'd lost their vehicle. They were stuck at home. And we were able to give a vehicle to Calvin and Angie. I remember meeting them for the first time, and they were so excited, and they were so grateful. Because Angie really struggled and really suffered with a lot of health issues. She had MS and, and some other debilitating things. She couldn't really get out and about very easily, but she hated being stuck indoors. And when we gave her that vehicle, they were able to get out of it again. They would tell me how they would go out for dinner together, and just even a trip to the doctor's office they couldn't have done before without someone coming to give them a ride. They were so grateful. And one of the favorite outings Angie used to enjoy taking was to come to Connect on a Sunday morning. You may have seen her; she'd have been out in the foyer there. She had a, a walker she'd come in on, but she she'd get her, all of her makeup on. She dressed real nice because she just loved coming to church. She told me all the time, I love Connect, I love, I found out just this week talking to um, Calvin that uh, one morning she was here before service, and we were playing the Happy Song by Pharrell, and she said, I love that song, and that became her new favorite song. She loved Connect so much, we actually, back in the summer, we did the uh, Cherry Festival, the Good Neighbor Days it's called now, and um, We'd announced, just like Chris did earlier, about the Hong parade, hey, if you want to be in a, come and serve at Good Neighbor Days, we need some people to help in the food tent. We're going to be serving some food. We're going to be giving out some, um, some glow sticks during the fireworks display. And anyone who comes and serves will get a free Connect T-shirt. Well, it was like this hot Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was like 90 degrees. And, and up comes Calvin and Angie, and she's on her walker, and she's got to get across the grass into the tent. And I'm like, Angie, you don't? She's like, no, I want to be here. I want to be here. And we got her over to the tent, and she sat there, at the, the end of the line and she was giving out bags of chips to people and she loved being there and I talked to Calvin I said Calvin I was really worried that day it was a really hot day she goes and he said to me Dave she really wanted that t-shirt <laughs> she, she really wanted I, oh, I said I I'd give it her the t-shirt I didn't know it was just and this week when I was at the hospital I was talking to Calvin and we were talking about because Angie passed away she had a, a massive heart attack on um, actually last week and we were talking about Angie and some of the arrangements and he says, you know what, Dave? He said, she told me a couple of weeks ago because she knew her health was failing. She said, Calvin, if I do pass away, I wanna be cremated and I wanna wear my Connect T-shirt and hold my Bible. That was her request. So just this last week, Angie was cremated and I got to share that story at her funeral. And many of her relatives and friends who don't attend church, I was able to tell them about how much Angie loved Jesus and how happy she was when she got to come to Connect Church. And I got to share with them that even though Angie's body was broken and her life here was tough, that right now she's dancing and running and just in heaven with Jesus because of the relationship that she had with Jesus. I got to share this with a lot of her friends and relatives who may not have a relationship with Jesus. But here's why I tell you that story. During the funeral, it was awesome to see um, Calvin, her husband, standing there, and people come up and say, you know, your wife was such... A, and they would tell stories of what a great person she was, how awesome she was. Her daughter got up, and she read a poem, and niece got up and said a few words. As I stood there listening, knowing what I was speaking about today, I thought, you know, I hope people told Angie that before she died. I hope people told Angie that while she was still alive. Because that's the one thing about funerals. We get to hear a lot of good things, a lot of encouraging things, but... Man, wouldn't it be good if we could say that to our loved ones before it's too late? Let's not wait for a funeral. Let's tell our loved ones. Let's make an effort in that most intimate of circles to say, hey, listen, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you why I love you. I want to tell you what you mean to me. Because it makes a difference when we live in a world where we're having six times as much negative comments, six times as much criticism as we are encouragement. But we have to make that decision. We have to make that choice and say, I'm going to make a choice to encourage. So here's the bottom line here. As Christ followers, we've been challenged to encourage, to work hard at changing that ratio, to strive in in relationships in every area of our life, our work, our family. But listen, I didn't want to close out this morning without giving you this good news here this morning. Because listen, when you encourage, it, it changes the world in which you live. But you know what? It affects you. It'll do something in your life. There is something in it for you. Listen to what one of the wisest, wealthiest men who ever lived had to say. His name was Solomon, and he wrote several books in the Old Testament. One was the book called Proverbs. Proverbs is a great book to read because there's 31 chapters. So there's one for every day of the month. You can read a, a, a chapter of Proverbs every day and it's just full of just some amazing wisdom. Some of you may have read the one I'm about to read and just skipped over it because there's so much good stuff in there. But listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs eleven twenty-five. 25. He says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who encourage others will themselves be encouraged. Have you ever met someone who was just really encouraging and they just, you know, you're like, oh, that's just because that person's wired that way. I don't think that's the case. I think that's not just somebody who's lived a life of encouraging others, and as they've encouraged, so they themselves have become encouraged. As they've lived a life refreshing others, so they themselves have become refreshed. And maybe you're here this morning, as I've been speaking about this, you're like, Dave, I know this is right, but I don't feel like encouraging If you knew the world I lived in, I've lived a life where I haven't had the one. I've just had criticism, criticism. I don't feel like encouraging others. And maybe you're thinking, well, when I do feel like it, then maybe I'll start. You know what? That verse doesn't say that. The verse doesn't say um, when you feel refreshed, you'll be ready to refresh others. It says, no, refresh others first, then you will be refreshed. Encourage others, and you will be Encouraged. I think some of us here this morning, we're in relationship stalemates. Because we're waiting for them. Well, if she would just encourage, well, I I will, but he's got to do this. And, uh, you know, my boss, I'll, I'll respect. He's got to do, you know, we're kind of at that stalemate. It's like, you know what? If you'll encourage others, you will be encouraged. Whether it's work, marriage, family, I think this is a key that could set some of you free. So I want you to try it this week. That's your assignment. That's your assignment. That's your homework. Let's work this week. Man, just imagine if we all tried it this week, what a difference it could make in our community, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And I'll be honest with you, because I know I've been speaking about this. I've already been trying it. It's not easy. I'd love to say that I whipped all six of these out straight away and I just started piling on here. I didn't. I had to work really hard just to kind of take one or two away. Some of you, you won't even be to lunch today and you'll say something you are be like, oh. I had every intention of encouraging. I just hurt myself. You'll hear yourself saying it. You'll be like, oh, man. Just put one back on there. But here's what you can do. Because some of you are going to try and work hard at reducing this pile here. Just start off easy. Just start off working a little bit harder on this side. Say, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to look for someone to encourage today. I'm going to tell someone, you know. So, so before it was, now it's, now it's like two to two to six. Okay, so that's, that's a bit, well now it's three, and I actually I got a little bit better. There. So now, now we're at three to five, and, and now, now I'm here, and, I, and I'm doing better here. And before you know it, as this side's growing, this side's going down. So work hard at encouraging. Don't, this, this is difficult. Try not to be as critical, but sometimes we have to work harder at encouraging for the other to wear away. But as we encourage others, we will be encouraged. So what does that look like? Maybe it's writing a note. Maybe it's sending a text or a Facebook message. Maybe it's, um, you you can still do this apparently, face to face. You can actually speak to people, apparently. (laughs) I don't know how that works. But um, I just text them. But um, yeah, you can actually look someone in the eyes and say, hey, listen, you mean the world to me. I really appreciate what you do. Hey, you know, son, daughter, husband, wife, whatever it may be, I I really appreciate what you do. Tell them what they mean to you. Make an effort to refresh someone this week, and you will be refreshed. And I think you will discover what it truly feels like to live beyond ordinary. Let's pray. Father, I know that this seems such a simple um, idea, just encouragement, Lord. In fact, you know, with, with all the scripture that we have to read through and all the deep wisdom that's in the Bible, I almost feel like, man, just say something nice to one another. But God, is such a huge part. When we see that ratio, when we're aware of the fact that we are at six to one ratio of criticism to encouragement, Lord, that's a problem. That creates a problem in our workplaces and our families. It creates these conflicts in, in marriages and between parents and kids. And, and maybe, God, maybe it seems simple because it is simple. Maybe it's just a case of us as followers of Jesus saying, that's what the Bible says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work harder at being a more encouraging person. I'm going to work harder at just trying to make sure the, the criticism stays lower and the encouragement stays higher. And Jesus, we're going to need your help in that because we can't do that in our own strength. So for some of us, Lord, it's, it's, it's sitting here right now and I see saying, Jesus, will you help me? Will you help me hear myself when I say that and help me to stop myself before I say it? Will you help me to not miss that opportunity and my busyness in my life just to stop and tell that person when that thought pops in my head, just to say, hey, you did a great job. Thanks for that. You mean the world to me. Thanks, I, I love you. When that thought pops in my head that I won't just let it disappear, I'll respond and I'll act upon it because Jesus, in the area of relationships, I want to live beyond ordinary. In your name, amen.